Welcome to the Tough Policy Podcast. I'm Ashwin Kazari. On today's show, we're going to talk about 5G and nationalizing telecom networks. Joining me is Nathan Lemer, Vice President of Targeted Victory and a long-standing uh, telecom expert. Nathan, thank that's, you for joining us. That's a joke. Come on. I'm not a long-standing telecom expert. Some people call me just a glorified substitute teacher. Then why, why are you on the show is a question, I guess. We couldn't get anyone better in sh- on a short notice. Is it, <laughs> is it true? That's Nathan, true. That's but uh, for those of our listeners who don't know you, who, who were lucky enough to have never met you, um, do you mind sharing some of your background with them? Sure, sure. So uh, uh, my career started as a teacher uh, right out of college and then uh, got, got a job as a legislative aide in uh, uh, Michigan state politics. Uh, from there, I went to Congress with uh, Justin Amash, a libertarian Republican, uh, libertarian and Republican member of Congress. And then uh, I went to a few think tanks, including the R Street Institute. And then uh, most recently before Targeted Victory, um, I served as a policy advisor for almost three years to Chairman Pai, where I worked with him and his team on a number of issues, including net neutrality, 5G, media modernization, you know, promoting innovation, all those uh, fun topics, closing the digital divide, and 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 uh, continue to work in that space ever since. Doing my best job to to pretend to know what I'm talking about. That's exciting, and we're recording this on Gritty's birthday. Did you know that? Is it really? This it is, is a big really? day. I, 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 you know, you know the way into my heart, Ash, with uh, talking about Gritty and all things silly sports. So uh, that that's a that's a good thing to know. And all things silly Philly sports. Okay, well, let's jump right into this. So for our listeners who have heard about 5G and who have heard that Apple iPhones are coming a little later in the year because um, they're tinkering with a 5G technology to be in them. Um, can we elaborate a little more on what 5G is? Yeah, so 5G uh, is a new uh, basically internet protocol uh, that is like the next generation of wireless technology. Um, 4G is what we currently have and that's allowed you to use all the apps and stream your favorite Netflix or whatever shows you're, you're watching. Um, I'm partial to zero, zero, zero from Amazon Prime right now. Great show. Um, but uh, uh, 5G holds promise to deliver faster internet, uh, like multiple times faster than 4G, uh, stronger network bandwidth, um, and um, a, a, a dynamic network that will enable us to use platforms and applications that are un- unimaginable uh, as of a few months ago or even a year or two ago. So, you know, precision agriculture to help uh, facilitate next generation agriculture um, areas in the augmented reality, virtual reality uh, to make that um, really present in, in, in our lives, as well as telemedicine uh, to the point that we could do surgeries remotely um, through 5G networks. And it, it really will radicalize and revolutionize, revolutionize, not radicalize, revolutionize our, our lives, um, promises billions of dollars uh, in, in economic opportunity. Um, and it's a really exciting space. And, and what's interesting is it's a global race. There are um, a number of competing companies that want to establish the protocols and rules of the road for 5G. And um, the, the United States is poised uh, to be in the lead there. And, and uh, a lot of that is because of the work that this FCC and, and this administration um, and, and Congress has worked together on um, to establish the rules of the road that enable uh, deployment of this very intricate and dynamic network. So we have listened in the news and we've seen that now there again, it's like this zombie policy proposal that keeps coming back to life and trying to bite our head off uh, of nationalizing the 5G network. 
that's being developed right now. And we are now hearing that these ideas are being revived by not only the White House, but also people left of center, who we would, we would consider in DC left of center, right? Eric Schmidt, former Google CEO, and uh, some others. So can you give us a little bit of a lay of the land there and who the players are and what exactly is happening? What's going on with this zombie apocalypse? No, that's a great question. So it, it is, this is an issue that comes up every uh, few months. Um, you know, when you look at the, the rules of the road uh, that have been created and, and the efforts to expand spectrum access, both low, mid and high band um, uh, spectrum, that's all needed for a 5G deployment. And then as well as rewriting the rules to enable uh, small cell deployment and the small cells, not the big cell towers that use for 4G, but the smaller cells, the size of a pizza box um, to enable these uh, network connectivity in cities and small towns um, throughout the country. Um, as that process is being done, uh, there are some who think that that's not being done fast enough. And they think that uh, Department of Defense would be a better vector, uh, venue entity to build out this network and that, you know, they could do what AT&T and Verizon couldn't accomplish or T-Mobile couldn't accomplish. And, um, you know, I think that's a flawed way of thinking about things. And I think that if the United States had not made the drastic changes in adopting the 5G FAST plan um, that uh, was uh, put together by Chairman Pai, and his incredible team of staffers, including me, um, we wouldn't have uh, uh, the opportunity to, to, to be in the space that we are and use this technology and you know, have next generation phones and Samsung phones and iPhones. Uh, but uh, there are some, uh, and I think many, some of those individuals have a vested interest in a different approach, would like DOD to take over and, and to step in and build out in a way because they don't think the uh, private entities could themselves. And the idea is that certain companies uh, could potentially serve as the wholesaler or the middleman uh, between uh, the DOD and the rest of uh, the internet ecosystem. And uh, one company in particular is named Rivada um, has been pushing this idea. Um, and, it, and as you mentioned, uh, uh, Eric Schmidt, uh, former CEO of Google, is now involved in this. So, you know, Rivada has connections to Republicans. Uh, you know, Carl Rove is a, is a registered lobbyist for them. Um, Ooh, but Rivada. on, on uh, for Rivada. And then, and then uh, Eric Schmidt being uh, a very well-renowned uh, Hillary Clinton supporter and, and Democratic donor, um, you know, they see this now just an idea that's coming from one side of the part of the political equation or the other, but now from both sides, you know, Susan Crawford and Tim Wu have written actually uh, uh, glowingly about the idea of a nationalized network. And I think that's a backwards approach. And that, that, that's a way that that's not really the way we've done things here. That's not how we enable the 4G network. And, you know, it undermines a lot of the hard work and, and efforts that have been done recently to create uh, the rules of the road that, that, that is enabling the deployment we have now. Nathan, did you say who Rivada was? Yeah, so good question. So Rivada, yeah, so Rivada, uh, I, mentioned, I didn't mention that Rivada is a company, um, a tech telecom company um, that uh, thinks that uh, they have some ability to, to, to fill this void that all these other companies that have an established track record of building on networks uh, somehow magically don't have. Um, and they would like to be the middleman in this. And a recent Wall Street Journal article uh, highlighted that the Department of Defense is kind of open to this idea and actually uh, put out a, a, a request, um, an RFP, I believe, a, a request for proposals, um, looking at two issues. One is what would it look like to have a DOD built network? 
And then the other one is to look at what would it look like to have one wholesaler uh, kind of uh, calling the shots. Uh, so if DOD worked with, with one entity to do that. And so this has raised a lot of alarm bells and it's kind of a, you know, I know we're in election season, but it is a concerning issue that, you know, um, this idea uh, could undermine the hard work and, and efforts that the other parts of the government have done to create a, a, a rules of the road, as I've said like 16 times, rules of the road, I kind of come up with a new phrase, uh, but also uh, uh, for, for, for the efforts that Congress has done to get Spectrum out there and, and, and to develop a, a, a uniform approach uh, to this issue. All right, so if I'm understanding this right, uh, and I'm pretending right now that I don't work on this issue and I'm just a newbie, uh, if I'm understanding this right, there is a company that says, let's nationalize the whole 5G network and then give it to us to run because that way we would deploy it faster, even though the deployment has already started. Am I understanding this very flawed logic correctly? So I like to think of it this way. I, if you, anytime you talk about spectrum policy, uh, you, you realize that uh, Department of Defense, Department of Energy, Department of Transportation, and a number of other agencies have um, large swaths of unused spectrum, and they don't want to give it up, and they don't want to repurpose it or or or, or share. Uh, and why and would they it, just hold on to? Why are they hoarding spectrum? Be, be, Should we because they may hoarders. <laughs> it's exactly right. It, it is a bit like that. But I mean, the idea is they think, well, we have this and we could use this for national security or we could use this for um, some future endeavor. Um, and, and, you know, our way is the better way, even though they don't necessarily have the same technical expertise that, you know, private sector or other engineers or other technologists may have. Um, and so they held it up. And so we've seen over the past couple of years, and I think I've been on the show to talk about some of the other spectrum wars that we've seen. But the reality is the US government is a, a party of, of these spectrum wars. And so uh, this effort is a, is a way to, you know, potentially um, um, call the shots for themselves. And so, yes, would it undermine uh, previous efforts? Would it stall, uh, you know, efforts to make a 5G future? Would it put us in a, in a vulnerable position um, in, in, in the global race to 5G? Potentially, but also it's about internal politics. And, you know, um, that is something that, uh, a lot of uh, uh, observers of, of spectrum policy and people who care about the tech and telecommunications networks um, are nervous about and concerned about. And um, so you're right, it is a little bit about hoarders. Um, it's also a little bit about interagency politics. And it's also about, you know, who gets the credit. And, you know, um, if you think that you can do it better and you have no track record of it, you know, you still sometimes want to try it. Um, I, as a father, I know that with my kids. They have no track record of cleaning their room but uh, sometimes they should still try. So Nathan, what are we supposed to say to the proponents of this policy to explain to them? So I come from, I hail from the cold land of Russia mm -hmm. and I have my own reservations and policy ideas about nationalizing anything because of just seeing how that doesn't work and only shatters the economy. But what would you use for people who have not grown up in a post-COBS failed communist world where a lot of things were still being nationalized? No, that's a great question. Um, here's what I'd say. We have, 
American industry has a incredible track record when it comes to innovation in the tech and telecom space. Uh, uh, the United States led in the 4G deployment. We led in the development of the app economy. You know, uh, I know you do a lot of work on the platforms and social media, and a lot of those platforms were able to build off of these networks and be so successful. And these phones and these new technology that we use at our fingertips were, 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 were used because of the infrastructure that we had here. We led in that, in that race. And we learned a lot of lessons in that process. Um, and we have some rather large um, and exciting companies uh, who are trying to uh, build out into this space. And, and you know, to his credit, President Trump um, endorsed a, a private approach and said rightly that like this is the way forward. And um, uh, whether it's a 5G fast plan that, that is a comprehensive look at steps the FCC can do and the way Congress has been geared toward this, the reality is we have a good track record. We have um, uh, a lot of money in, in invested in this space. And we've also led the world in kind of reshaping the way we think about 5G policy. So why would we stop and turn around? You know, every single time United States has sent emissaries or diplomats to Europe to talk about the concerns with Huawei and raise the concerns about cybersecurity threats that uh, 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 certain companies like Huawei um, pose to 5G networks, those European countries are listening to them. Uh, and they're listening to us. And as you see in the UK and other countries, they are starting to, you know, uh, follow our lead on that. But as a part of that conversation, we also talked about how uh, American innovation and a light touch approach was the best way to build out these networks. And I think you can't have one without the other. Um, if we want to go full nationalization, why don't you just invite Huawei here to do it for us? They're clearly doing it in Beijing. Um, but the reality is we all know that would be a problem. And so we, we, we should uh, continue that across the board when it comes to 5G policy. Well, are there any parting thoughts you have for our listeners uh, as they dive in or and read more about this topic? Is there anything you would recommend they read that we can link to in the show notes or any parting thoughts they want to take away? I would say uh, one thing is that it's not just about 5G. Um, this issue is, uh, is actually a bigger question about the way we want uh, governance when it comes to internet policy and deployment and investment. Um, and I think uh, as we look at uh, the ways that um, a lot of concerns people have about municipal broadband, the idea of government-backed networks and how it's slower and not as efficient and effective in building out as uh, privatized networks. I think if you nationalize it, I think you're gonna have a hard time fighting the localizing it uh, issue, which is a terrible connection, but I hope you get my point. Um, but then I think also at the same time, um, thinking about uh, uh, some of the other policy conversations that we're having about the role of government in the way we think about uh, uh, companies and how they operate. I think this all fits into that uh, conversation. So um, it's worth watching and it's worth paying attention to and it's not gonna go away, regardless of who wins in, in, in a month, uh, regardless of who's in office next year, um, it's gonna be a conversation that people are gonna be, should be closely paying attention to and it could be a real problem going forward. Well, Nathan, for a second choice guest, you definitely did well. Thank you so much for joining the show. We would love to have you back. How many times have you been now? This may be, this is my second time with you. And I was on with Evan a long time ago, back in the olden days. Uh, but you know, he, he's, he's, he's no Ash. I mean, really, when it comes down to the host, they've, they've really you know, upgraded their game, uh, bring you in to, to save the day. Uh, but uh, no, it's always a pleasure to come on the Tech Policy Podcast. Um, and chat with you. And uh, yeah, hope to talk to you soon.
Well, thank you so much for joining the show. For everyone, go follow Nathan on Twitter at NathanLemurDC or just uh, search for Bad Philly Sports Jokes and you'll find him. Thank you for listening. The Tech Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom, a nonpartisan, nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. To learn more about our work, make a tax-deductible donation, or find other episodes, find us online at techfreedom.org.